Welcome, friends, to the Miles with Marty podcast. This is home base for running community love, and we're sponsored by Squirrels Nut Butter. Spread the lube, and your blister and chafing problems will go away. You can thank me later. Hello, world, and welcome to the Miles with Marty podcast, episode 14. This episode is going to be a Havelina 100 preview. I've got Robin McDearman and Willem Pennings coming on to talk about their experiences at Havelina. Both of them are veterans. Rob is a five-time finisher going for number six this year, and Willem is a four-time finisher going for number five this year. The Havelina preview is actually two parts. I will have this part with Willem and Robbie McDearman and and also a small race preview from my friend Matthew Holy. And then on the next episode, Mike Melton will discuss a little bit about Havelina and then go on to tell a bunch of awesome stories. It ended up needing to be an episode all to itself because Mike has so many epic stories. Before we jump headfirst into Havelina, I want to welcome Matthew Hoadley. He is the race director for the Walt Romp up in Massachusetts, and uh, it's coming up next weekend. And so he's going to talk a little bit about that race and then share about his experience at Evelina last year. I just wanted to let you know that I reached out to Aravipa and Jamil Curry and Jubilee Page, the race director, to see if anybody wanted to come on and talk about the race. But it's just so busy this time of year for them that I wasn't able to get together with them in time to make the uh, publishing of this episode. Maybe by the next one, but I'm not expecting it because they're super busy. I hope to have them on at a later date for a different race. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Miles with Marty podcast. I've got Matthew Holdley on the line. Welcome, Matthew. Hey, Marty. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you. It's a pleasure. Matt is one of the race directors for the Want Romp. It is a uh, trail race in Hingham, Massachusetts, and it's in the Wampatuck State Park. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. And it looks like they're putting on a uh, 50K and a 10-miler option, and it is coming up on, I believe, the 22nd. Is that right? Yeah, we're less than two weeks away at this point. All right. So uh, tell me a little bit about this this trail and about this race that you got coming up. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, my my friend, my buddy uh, Rob Jeffers and I, who's also my co-race director, we train in Wampatuck State Park all the time. It's, uh, it's a pretty big state park just south of Boston where we live. And, you know, we ran there all the time and we thought, why is there no race here? You know, it's such a beautiful place, tons of trails, huge mountain bike race, but no trail race. And, you know, eventually we just decided if, you know, we want to race, we're going to have to be the ones to put it on. You know, it's a mix of, you know, it's typical New England trail. So you got to, you got some roots and some rocks and some single track and some rail trail and, you know, there's a little bit of pavement in there as well through some of the campground area. It is, you know, last year we started the race. We had, we didn't know if we'd get 20 people, 30 people or nobody. And the first year we capped it at a hundred. We sold out at a hundred people. We started with a 10 miler and things went pretty well. And our goal was to always bring an ultra distance to the South of Boston. You know, there's some races on the North and to the West, but nothing South. And obviously you can't go East because you'd be in the ocean. So, <laughs> um, we, uh, you know, we are able to, we're going to do three loops of about 10 and a half. So the 10 mile people will do about a 10 and a half mile loop and the 50 K people will do that loop three times. And, you know, our goal is to really get people onto the trails and off the roads and, you know, be out in a more peaceful environment and, and see what we see. So 
you know, it's a, our goal is, is it's a perfect first time ultra for people. A lot of people that have signed up are going to be first time ultra runners, which we really like. And we've given a very generous nine hour cutoff for them to be able to finish. And between the 10 mile and the 50 K we have 200 people total. So we've sold out, but we have a wait list and people are moving off that wait list as we progress. Cool. So the race is already sold out. It is sold out, but you know, as you know, as we get closer to race day, some people haven't trained or they might have an injury or a family situation. So people that are even jumping on now have a chance to get in because, um, you know, we're, we're trying to move people off the wait list. And if we can maybe have a few more than 200, maybe like 205 or something like that, we may try to do it. So we, we, weren't really sure, you know, if we would reach the 200 mark, um, but we did pretty quick. And there is an appetite for this type of race on the South shore of Massachusetts. So it's pretty great. Well, that's cool. So what kind of elevation gain would you find in, in one of the loops in a 10 mile loop? Yeah. So this is, um, you know, people will laugh. I, I, I say it's pretty flat and I think it is, it's about 650 per loop. And there's really sort of one hill that you go up that's a little bit technical, but it, you know, makes people walk for the most part. And the rest is a few rolling hills. And, you know, it's pretty flat for the most part. We had some pretty fast times for the 10 miler last year. And, you know, it's one of those races that if you really want to come race and see what you can do, especially for the 50K distance, I think you can do that here. You know, it's not, it's not a ton of elevation, you know, where I live in Situate, Massachusetts, just uh, about, you know, less than 10 miles away from the start of the race. So we're, we're right by the ocean. So we don't really have a lot of elevation here. And I think that's too, it's why it's a good first time race for people is, is you don't have to worry about climbing big hills and stuff like that. So I think, you know, it's a good mix of trail, but there's really no elevation that you have to worry about. Yeah. But it does have just enough to, to make it feel like a real trail and yeah. So for the, yeah. So for the 50 K you'll get about close to 2000. So I think that makes it feel like a pretty good race. Hopefully. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I know. You know, I, I have a lot of uh, listeners and a lot of races that I cover down in the Florida area. And there are very few 50 Ks down there that you can get 2000 feet of elevation gain. So some people would call that uh, too hilly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, we live in, you know, if you drive a couple hours north, you're in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. So you can find all the elevation you want there. So or Vermont or any other place. It's just we don't have a lot where we are in south of Boston. Well, cool. Well, I will uh, put a link up to that, even though, like you said, it's sold out just so people can get on the wait list. And I don't you know, I don't know how many listeners I have in the Northeast. I know of one in particular, and he he might be interested in this race. My buddy Mitch Goldstein is a is a loyal listener and he lives in Boston. So I'll nice. put that bug in his ear. And- yeah. Tell him to reach out. And, you know, we have a Facebook group, Womp Romp Trail Race. It's pretty active. There's a lot of stuff there. If anybody's interested, run ultra sign up, you know, and our goal is to really keep growing this race, you know, next year, if the 50 K works out, maybe we'll able to do a 50 miler, but fall in New England's pretty beautiful. You know, the foliage is great and the weather's usually never too hot. So it's a good place to run. And, you know, we're, we're about 20 miles south of Boston. So, you know, if you want to have a nice weekend, the race is on a Saturday, you want to spend time near the city or go to Cape Cod or any of those things, we're kind of in a central location for that. Awesome. And not this time of year, it's not too cold. What what kind of temperature do you have there right now? So today was actually kind of warm. It was actually, we got into probably the low 70s, which is, you know, you get a few of those days, but you know, I think last year on race day, I think it started at about 42 and maybe ended up at like 52. So 
Um, You know, it gets chilly at night, but during the day, you know, the air is a little bit different. We don't really have that humidity anymore that we have in the summer. So it's a little bit crisper. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. I love this time of year in New England. You know, you get the 50s and the 60s and it just feels great for running. Yeah, I love that. 40s to 40 to to 60. I can. I love that. All right. Well, that's cool. So this would also could serve as this is a great segue on my part, by the way. This would serve as a great little shakeout run for people doing the Havelina. Hundred because this episode I'm doing is a Havelina preview. Now, if I'm not mistaken, you were there uh, at Havelina last year pacing or crewing somebody. Is that right? Yeah, we crewed and paced uh, our friend Trina, who's from Georgia as well, and she finished just over 24 hours. Uh, she it was uh, it was such a fun event to be at. Uh, we were there with some other friends, and they let us use their crew tent. And uh, my wife paced miles sixty to eighty, and I paced eighty to one hundred. It cool. is a, it is a, it is a really an unbelievable event. I've never been to anything like it, and I think next year my wife and I may actually run that race ourselves. My wife keeps talking about going back and doing it. It's uh, the only scary part for us New Englanders is going down there in that heat. That's the only tough part. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've talked to several people for this podcast episode and they've i've got major fomo for not being there this year because they just you know their passion which you know you hear that about a lot of uh, bigger races that's got like a you know a cult following that uh, you know everybody just they love it so much that they keep going back every year and you know i have all these goals to do all these different races 50 states and all that and I can't afford to get any more races like that, <laughs> but it sounds so fun that I just want to, you know, I want to go and be there for it. Yeah. Um, it's, if Even if you don't go run it, if you go act as crew or pace or, you know, even if you do the, the run they have at night, you know, they do, um, I can't remember what they call it, but you know, a bunch of people go out at like 10 o'clock at night or something like that and do one loop. And it's like a big, you know, seems like a big party loop. It's yeah. it's cool to be there. It's also cool to be there. You know, there's elites that are looking for golden tickets and, you know, some pretty good athletes. And, you know, it, it you know, I think it takes a lot to finish that race. It takes a lot of, you know, being smart, you know, not really going out and blowing up in the heat, being conservative. And, you know, at night it got really, really cool and it got really comfortable to run. So yeah. I, I think I think anybody can do it as long as they're smart. Yeah. So do you have do you think you might do that hundred one day there? I really, I, you know, I'm thinking about it. I have a, I have a good friend who did it last year. Who's trying to coax me into going next year with him. He's going to go back. And, um, my wife really wants to do it. She thinks that she can do it and pretty well. I mean, you know, it's not super technical. It's, I think if you wanted to be fast, you could be, you know, I just, I have a little bit of concern about the heat, you know, especially, you know, you're in the middle of the desert. It's only cactuses. There's no trees or shade. So but yeah, you know, I think I think if I train specifically for it, I have a pretty good chance. And uh, you know, if I, you know, I think if you're smart, you know, you don't try to go too fast in the morning when it gets a little cool to try to bank time. I think that can cause people some issues. And it's about being smart, staying cool, staying wet, using ice, and all that stuff. And and I think if you have a good crew, that can really help you too. That can minimize time, you know, especially when you come into the um, turnaround area. So mm-hmm. I think it's definitely something I want to do. I've never run an Era Viper race, but there's a lot that look pretty cool black canyon and some others so i definitely want to do one someday yeah i did uh, black canyon the 60k this year and uh i'm very tempted to go back there and do that 100k uh in 23 but like i said i have so many other races that i want to do that 
you know, it's just hard to pull the trigger on a repeat. Yeah, they they do a great job putting on races, and they have a very loyal following. You know, yeah. volunteers, and I'm a squirrel's nut butter guy. And you know, Chris, same with me. We just got our we just got our squirrel our 200 samples of squirrel's nut butter just came in today. So thank cool. you to them for sponsoring the race, and you know they're good partners to have, and we appreciate that as well. Yeah. Chris is an awesome guy, and uh, I just love that company. They're very environmentally conscious, and and they're just good people. Good. Absolutely, yeah. Chris is great. I had a I had a chance to chat with him for a bit at Javelina last year, and I I met him a few years ago. Shared some pizza with him and Ann Trayson and Eric Sensman, and Scotty from Ten Junk Miles, and some other people. So I've gotten to know him a little bit. He's a great dude. Cool. Well, it sounds good. Like I said, I'll put the uh, link to the Ultra Sign Up on my website and on my show notes. And uh, I appreciate you coming on and talking about your race. Do you have? Do you all have any goals or hopes of of doing more races different times of year other than that one? Or is this? Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's something people keep asking Rob and I, and um, you know, people keep asking us about a Last Man Standing event, which I'd be curious to maybe see if we could do. You know, or maybe even, you know, and I kind of had this idea, maybe even like a summer race series, something small, you know, just on the trail, maybe in the evenings, a couple of times throughout the summer, just to kind of get people together. Um, I think one thing we want to try to do is try to build a little bit of a trail community here. Most mm-hmm. people here seem like road runners for the most part. And we've got this beautiful state park with a bunch of trails that, you know, it's mostly mountain bikers. And I think us trail runners really could use it a little bit more. So yeah, we'll see. We're never, we're, you know, we're always kind of looking at ways we can do stuff. And, uh, you know, I think there is an appetite for that here. Yeah. Well, I look forward to getting out there, up there and try that out then hopefully next year. We'll see. I'll either, I'll uh, probably have to choose between that and Havelina since they're like one week apart. <laughs> yeah. Last year we, I ran a hundred, then I race directed the next week and then we went to Havelina. So that was a busy three <laughs> weeks. I don't know. I don't think I would do that again, but um, I hear you. No, def- definitely come up to new England. It's beautiful. And um, we'd love to have you. Cool. Well, I appreciate you coming on, buddy. All right. Thanks, Marty. I wish you the best of luck with that. Thank you. Okay, man. You have a good night. You as well. Well, if you're anywhere in the northeastern part of the U.S. next weekend, maybe you'll want to go check out the Womp Romp. I know he said they're sold out, but uh, you never know what might happen. Reach out to them and see if you can get on that wait list. Especially you, Mitch. Go check it out and let us know what you think. Okay, next up is Willem Pennings. He's an experienced ultra runner with many hundred and even longer finishes and several stage races. And he's also a very loyal follower of the Havelina 100. He's been there, I want to say, 12 times. And he's going back this year. And he's going back to try to get that fifth 100-mile finisher jacket. He's very passionate about the Havelina 100. And it's infectious, contagious, all that good stuff. So check him out. Well, welcome to the Miles with Marty podcast. I've got my friend Willem Pennings on the line. Welcome, Willem. Howdy. Glad to have you today. We're going to be talking about the Havelina 100. Willem is a veteran. I know he's been there several times. I don't know the exact total. How many is that, Willem? Uh, It's like uh, 12. Wow. 11 or 12. Okay, so you are a veteran. So this is this is kind of a Havelina preview episode. We're going to talk, you know, get talk to some people that have done it, and hopefully, I've got a message out to Jubilee to talk to her about it too. I'm hopefully she will get back to time. But if nice. not, I understand it's a busy time of year for them. But very anyway, much so. 
Yeah. So anyway, Willem, before we get started talking about Havelina, tell us a little bit about your running story. You know, how long you've been running and, you know, what got you into running and ultras and all that good stuff. Well, the whole thing started when uh, my wife went to graduate school and because uh, I'd been a mountain biker and a cyclist for a while. And I was putting it through grad school and I crashed my mountain bike into a tree. And lucky for me, I didn't get hurt. But I realized if I kept riding, I probably could, I probably would get hurt. And so I packed the bike up and needed something to do. And running was it. And so I started running the trails of Indiana while well, she was in school. And it was cheap. <laughs> I got one new pair of shoes every year. And I just ran through the woods and decided I could do a little half marathon. And that was pretty nifty. And then there was a trail marathon. And so I tried that. And then, of course, there was a 50K the next month. And, you know, I was like, this this seems pretty cool. Go try that. And it was what I thought was going to be a nice little easy winter run. Turned out to be, uh, it was like 26 degrees when I started. because I drove down to the race in a snowstorm from Bloomington, Indiana to Louisville, Kentucky. And my plan was to hydrate and eat on the way to the race. And I death gripped the steering wheel in the snowstorm. <laughs> and so I got there and I, I did this, this 50K. And it was, like I said, it was 26 when I started and 22 when I finished. And that was just something I could never get used to. Being from California, it gets warmer throughout the day. It doesn't get colder. You know, yeah. I remember going into... Going into an aid station, seeing this big bowl of M&Ms, and it was like, oh, I want some M&Ms. And I stuck my hand in it, and they were all frozen together. <laughs> and, you know, it was just the sort of extreme conditions of this race that was like, this is my thing. This is it. You know, it's it's not for the faint of heart, and I like this. And so um, it was really funny because I was reading Trail Runner magazine, and there was this little race called the Havelina hundred. And I was like, you know, one of these days I'm going to do that. And, you know, she finished up school and uh, moved back to California and I decided to do a 50 miler. And this particular local 50 miler was brutal. It was probably 95 degrees in the shade in August when I did it. And I got to gosh, mile somewhere around mile 42. I had just done this massive climb on a on a fire road, completely exposed in the sun. And I was at the aid station. I was convincing myself I was going to quit. I could use somebody's phone at the aid station to call my wife and have her come pick me up. And I got to the aid station and my eyes were bloodshot. I was tired. And the lady at the aid station was like, oh, you look so great. You can do this. <laughs> and I was like, really? She's like, yeah. And I took off running downhill and was like, she lied to me. <laughs> and, you know, I got down this descent and I was, uh, I only had three miles to go to the finish line and you had to climb like 2000 feet. And it was just, it was brutal. I got to the finish line. My wife been waiting for hours and hours and hours, took me far longer than I imagined. And I collapsed into her arms and across the line. She's like, okay, we're not doing that anymore. And I'm like, you're right. I'm doing a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> I had promptly signed up for Havelina. And so, so that, that I was your first hundred then signed up for. Yes, Avelina was my first hundred. Wow. 2008. Cool. And back then, I'm sure you've seen the videos and the pictures of it now. Yeah. Back then, I rolled into 
I rolled into Arizona from here. It's only about a six hour drive from my house. It was funny. I got there. I turned off the freeway and we didn't really know where to go, but there was a car in front of me that had a 100 sticker on it. And I said, we'll probably just follow him. <laughs> and, and sure enough, he drove straight to the race, which I think there might've been a hundred, 120 people my first year at Havelina. It was this small Jamil, the race director. It was his first year of the race. And I mean, I literally uh, backed my truck up to in the parking lot and at the start and finish line, you know, like I had my aid station was my tailgate and, and there were two aid stations out in the desert. They were, they were sparse. They were just like one easy up. It is nothing like it is today. And, and so I've gone back, I got my first buckle and then was after going, after doing that, I wanted to get a, I wanted to go sub 24. And so every year I went back and that's my, my race to go have fun and, and see how hard I can go. And so I've gone and blown up numerous occasions. I have four finishes, a whole bunch of hundred K finishes, a whole bunch of DNFs. And I, I, one of my friends gives me a hard time because he's like, I don't think anybody else has as many DNFs at Havelina as you do. (laughs) And, and, uh, you know, I go to have fun, you know, one year, I did a PR to 100K, and then my bladder stopped working, and I had to I had to drop out at 100K. So I went home and hydrated, and then the following Saturday, I ran a sub 24 at Rio de Lago in, in Sacramento. <laughs> and you know, one year the weather wasn't looking too good, and 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 I was like, no, I'm gonna hang it up at 100K because I just don't have a, I'm not feeling this. And so I went, took a shower at the campground crawled into my tent and the heavens opened up and it just stormed for a couple hours. And I just rolled over my tent, smiled at my wife. I'm like, yeah, I made the right decision. <laughs> but the the race has always been a family affair. And that's, I think, one of the big draws for me is that uh, the entire uh, Corey family helps out and makes that race happen. Yeah. It is just such a good time. I've got some 22-hour finishes so, you know, I achieved my goal of going fast and getting the big buckle. And now it's just going back every year to go see friends and have fun. And uh, yeah. And then uh, one year, one year, my wife was in Turkey at a conference and uh, she changed her flight. So she landed in Phoenix instead of LAX and came and, you know, crewed me right off the plane. <laughs> yeah. So, so. So I know nothing about this race except for the the what I've seen on the social media and the video. So is it a twenty mile loop? Is that right? No, uh, yes. Now it's a twenty mile loop. Uh, it used to be back in the day it was a fifteen mile loop, okay. and and so you ran fifteen mile loops and then a short loop at the end to make it all add up. And now it's and then it was twenty mile loops uh, as it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And the twenty mile loops you would do in a washing machine loop, you know, go clockwise counterclockwise you know alternate and it's just gotten so big that they can't do that anymore and it's just one direction i believe from now on so which i mean in the i said is there some elevation gain in that significant not much not much the trick is though is that you're always going up or down so it's a loop and if you figure that you took a you know like a frisbee or a dinner plate and just kind of tilted it so you know like now the first half you're going up and the second half you're going down 
And so it's not like a, just a completely flat race. You can just cruise along, Yeah, you know, and it's, it's, it's rocky in places. It's sandy in places. The, the, uh, it could be hard as concrete or you could be like, you're running in the beach. I mean, it's got all these different surfaces and, you know, late at night when the, uh, you're going through the rocky section, it's just, it's horrible. <laughs> and there's cactus, you know, if you're not careful, you can bump into a cactus and it's called, uh, they call it it's jumping choya. So if you just brush up against it, a little nodule will break off and stick to you. And the only way to get it off is with a comb. So in all the years I've, I've never hit a cactus. I've never seen a rattlesnake. I've heard people say they've seen snakes out there. But I've never seen one. So Arizona this time of year, what kind of temps? Can, it seemed like last year there was a lot of uh, casualties from it was from heat, right? Is it normally a hot race? Well, keep in mind it's Arizona, and it may may only be eighty five degrees, but there is no shade. Yeah. So you are in the sun all day long, and so you know people come out and they really, really, really underestimate the intensity of the sun. Years, you know, I've seen people and talked to them, and and I remember running one one year on the second lap, just the beginning of the second lap, and this lady was just suffering, and I was like, you know, where are you from? And she's like, Austria. I've been here, you know, like two days, and you know, people they they come in from other countries or other parts of the states, and they get sunburned to high heaven. Yeah, because it's just you know that desert sun. It's just it's just beating on you all day. It's it's relentless. Yeah, and I know a lot of us East Coasters are not familiar with that kind of dry heat. I know I did the Black Canyon this year, and it was in February, and it wasn't. I mean, it was actually like forty degrees at the start, and it may have gotten close to eighty in midday, but uh, it was so dry there. I remember. I started cramping around maybe mile 25 or something like that. And I talk, was talking to the dude at the aid station. He said, are you taking any salt pills? I'm taking one every two hours. And he said, you should be taking two every half hour. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I did. I've never experienced anything like that. Well, I, I live in the same kind of climate all year round. You know, it's dry here. And I used to live in Arizona, so I'm, I'm, I'm used to it. I used to... The first couple of years, I was taking the two salt pills every hour, and then I realized I was taking in too much salt, and I was sweating it out. And and when, by the way, of sweating it out, I get this layer of salt on, I'd start to chafe. So you know, um, it's a, it's definitely a balance of <clears throat> salt intake to how much you sweat. You know, one year, and you know, the temperature swings maybe eighty during the day, but it's going to drop down to fifty at night, and that temperature swing just racks people too yeah you know because your your body's like you know doing all this work to to stay cool and all of a sudden it's it's cool and you're like oh my gosh i'm freezing so it's it's definitely people have you know for years i heard oh habilina that's an easy hundred and there's no such thing as an easy hundred (laughs) that's what i was gonna say you know and uh so habilina (laughs) definitely hands it to a lot of people that are very unsuspecting thinking they're gonna come in and and you know I have all the different strategies, you know, I'm going to go slow during the day and then make it up at night. And it's like, that's not really going to work because, <laughs> you know, you, you're, you've been hammering all day and then at night you're just trying to stay alive. So you so. said, the, you said the first one, it was like 120 people. So how many people do you think were there last year? Oh, 
700. Okay. 800. I mean, there's, because there's the 100 miler, there's the 100K, uh, there's the Havelina night run, uh, the Jackass night run. And with that many people on the course, I much prefer One Direction. Yeah. It's really hard. Uh, the first year they did the, the night run, you know, imagine, you know, you're 60, 70 miles into the race, you're tired and some asshole that's all excited and half drunk comes in with the blinding <laughs> Kogala light in your direction. It's like, Hey, yeah. Yeah. Those you things know. burn your retinas. Yes. And so when you're, you know, when you're, when you're tired, grumpy and, and trying to stay on the trail and somebody's, you know, super excited with, uh, you right. know, running that race, they blind you five miles, so. into their, five miles into their adventure. Right. And you're like 75 in. Yep. <laughs> but yeah. I got to say one year my wife did it and because uh, then we go opposite directions and we actually met at the aid station. And uh, that was that was a memorable experience. You know, one year I did I ran 80 miles with Robin and had a great time. And and then another year is where I met Amy, Amy C, you know, yeah. uh late late in the race and and uh been best friends ever since yeah i was actually thinking about those two as getting them on too to to talk about their experience there need to call rob for sure you know he's you know i think uh i think it's just as near and dear to him as it is to me yeah you know last year he got his five-time finisher jacket as as i was supposed to but you know i had a bad race and hung it up at 40 miles but it's it's grown Unfortunately, the costumes aren't as prevalent now that, you know, it's a little, people take the race a little bit more seriously, but for years, the costumes were epic, you know, people running for 24 hours in costumes. It's just amazing to see. I have uh, a guy, Steve, he ran the whole thing in a sombrero, bandoleros on his chest and, <laughs> and everything. And he missed the cutoff at mile 90 and and was pulled and he had hands down the best costume that year and, and didn't win the costume contest because he you know he didn't finish the race in it and that was heart heartbreaking so he came back the next year ran the whole thing in camouflage like a commando ran the whole makeup i mean i'm talking camouflage face paint hat pants shirt and uh he won that year well that's good so, got, some, got some redemption he did well that's cool so anything else you want to share about that race? Um, it's, you know, it's, it's always a good time. And to have this, this, it is a, it is like a town springs up in the desert. It's, it's definitely changed. It's been a, it's been a blast to watch it sort of morph and, and grow and, and everything uh, and still retain, like I said, still retain its family style feel, you yeah. know, I get, I get to the race and I'll give uh I'll give Jamil's mom a big old hug. And as soon as I get there, cause she'll be manning the main aid station kitchen. I mean, there's just, I don't have anything bad to say about that race. You know, like I said, near and dear to my heart. I've only missed it a handful of times only because I was the first year of the pandemic. It was, I didn't do it. And then uh, I was running in Egypt one year when it was in 2012, when the race was going on. So that was why I missed it. But other than that, I, you know, I do, I always try to go back. So I expect to see you out there one of these years. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, the thing that got me started with this podcast is that what you're talking about, that community that, that 
you know, the family feel that you get with that community at certain races. And it's not with every race, but it's obvious that it is with that one. I was just talking to uh, Chris Trigg. Chris Twiggs, I don't know if you know him, but he's a 16-time Hard Rock finisher, and he was talking the same way about Hard Rock, how it's a big family, and he's got other races, you know, like he's never done Western States before because it's, you know, in the summer, just like Hard Rock, and he just loves that family so much, he don't want to sacrifice missing a Hard Rock to try to get into Western uh, <laughs> Nah, that's no way. I'm not going to buy that because I'm friends with Scotty Mills. And Scotty have he has uh, ten hard rocks in and twenty states. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he does well, he, he, he does he does he does states and hard rock in the same you know yeah. You can't have those you can't have those numbers without doing them in the same same year. Right. Well, he did make that statement. He said there are plenty of people out there that are much stronger runners than me that can do both of them in the same year, but I'm not that guy. And so <laughs> he said, mate, he said he wants to do it. So, but he's going to have to decide to sacrifice hard rock probably to be able to do. It. But I can understand that is that that kind of community. There's been some races down here in the southeast, and my podcast. You know, I was hoping to make it a national thing. You know cover the whole country, but for the last 10 weeks or so, it's been mostly all in the Southeast because that's all the races that I've been, you know, doing. And so, and I've been exposed to, but I've really enjoyed getting to know the running community. And I certainly want to get out West because my one race that, that the Currys did, the Black Canyon, it was like that, you know, the, the volunteers are all, you know, so friendly and it's like one big family and I really enjoyed it. And I want to do that race again. There's, you know, but there's only so much time in the year that you have, but I'm definitely coming to Avalina next year. Oh, good. I'm gonna hold you to it, you know, and I've been, I've been remiss. I I need to go out further, excuse me, East and do a race. You know, I'm, uh, I'm definitely kind of opportunistic to have so many good races locally. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I'm definitely, I'm, uh, put me in the mountains and I'm happy. I hear that. Well, I know, uh, you, there's a big, this year we've got Willem and I met through a social media group online of trail and ultra runners. And a lot of our mutual friends are all coming out there this year. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and so hopefully we're going to have a, we should have a, we should have a, a sort of a meetup. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to to hearing about that and seeing all the fun that y'all have. I'll be headed to New York that weekend, I believe. I'm running the New York City Marathon on November 6th, so I'm heading out like the Wednesday before that. So it may be the following week. But when you get to New York, you got to look up Walt. Yeah, I definitely plan on looking at Walt and uh, hopefully get to have dinner with, although I'm no vegan or vegetarian like him. I'm going to have to get some meat, but I will meet up with him and maybe share a meal. <laughs> Get you uh got to get you a New York City hot dog and a slice. That's right, definitely. Well, it's been good talking to you, Will. I w- I would love to be able to do an episode with you because I know you've done lots of other epic races, including how many Western states? I got two, two Western states and Tahoe two hundred, right? Mm-hmm. And and how many more hundreds have you done? Uh, so I got twelve or thirteen, I think. Yeah, and then the two hundred, and then I've done a couple of stage races. Yeah, uh, have you done the Rock Trans Rockies? No, I ran through. I did the Racing the Planet, ran through Egypt. Oh, okay. And and then uh, the following year, ran through Iceland. Cool. 
Well, that's so good. Trans Rockies. Trans Rockies, they carry your stuff. These races, yeah. you got to carry it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I'd never even heard of it. And I was talking with Bob Becker uh, back a few weeks ago and he told me about it. And I said, that sounds something willing to try. His very first ultra was Marathon Desab. Is that how you say uh-huh. it? Yeah. And so he kind of, you know, he has a affinity for those kind of races. So that was some interesting stories. Yeah, so the the race in the planet, Egypt and Iceland are patterned after their MDS. And uh and uh once I got into that, there's a whole nother stage racing community out there that is really big, anywhere from you know, there's there's short three-day races, there's epic races where you like, you know, you do you have to carry all your supplies on your back for the entire week, uh, like I did. And there's others that uh, go from five-star hotel to five-star hotel. <laughs> it's, so there's, I mean, at, at Trans Rockies, you can arrange to have a massage every day. You can have, you know, they have hot showers. And like I said, they take your bag from place to place where, you know, when I was in Egypt, if you got caught washing up with the water allotment, they got pissed. <laughs> it's wow. only for drinking. Yeah. So, so it's a little, so there's a, a little tougher. It's It's definitely... And I think that's the whole allure of of this kind of sport yeah. is is finding out what your limits are. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so have you 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 were saying that you started off basically on the trail? So have you never really got into road races at all? Not really. Have you, uh, done, have you done a few? I've done, I think, uh, a couple, of, a handful of half marathons uh, here in town. Like one time, a guy called me up and he broke his leg the night before the race. Gave me his bib and I ran local race uh, just for fun. And then I've done the Napa Marathon up in the Napa Valley. I can't remember if I've done it two or three times. And that's because that's where my wife and I are from. So we go up and, and do the race and visit family. But, you know, and I missed uh, I, I missed qualifying for Boston there one year by two minutes because I stopped to pet dogs. <laughs> and uh i don't regret that one bit you know I hear you. priorities that's right so uh yeah road racing just it's uh it's not my thing i like being out in the mountains and the more the more remote the better well i have so, learned you know i i signed up for my my first hundred is a road hundred uh-huh so i've been kind of staying off the trails to get my toughen my lower body to all that pavement pounding and God, Oof. I've been missing it, man. I, I'm so uh, ready to get back on the trails. It's killing me. So I probably won't, you know, I had told Jim Arnold that I was would probably do the keys with him, but I'm not really wanting Oof. to do that. I'm not really wanting to do that anymore. I'm wanting to do a trail race as my next one. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, I've been, uh, I've crewed Badwater three times. And, uh, you know, it was something I never wanted to do until... I, you know, you, you roll up to Badwater and you're like, Hey, I could do this, you know? Uh, and so someday I will, I'll do it, but I'll do a solo. I won't do the race. Yeah. Yeah. I'll get a, I'll get a crew and, you know, get my GPS and, and do the solo. And a lot of those people that do that race every year, they, they talk the same way about the community. You know, they say it's one big happy family. Oh, God. Uh, that's a whole nother podcast. (laughs) <laughs> yeah now i'm doing a bad water race in north carolina this spring i'm doing the bad water cape fear and uh uh-huh. it's in uh bald head island north carolina it's a 51 uh-huh. 
35 miles of it, I think, or 30 miles of it is on sand. So that'll be exciting. Yep. Uh, I mean, after after spending a week running through Egypt in the sand, I still have PTSD when the trails <laughs> get too sandy. I hear you. Because that, that just rips up your calves. And if you're going to run, you know, you're going to run a race like that, run as close to the water as you can. Yeah. Well, that's what somebody was telling me that they have a 50K option and a 51 miler. And they said, if you run the 50K, a lot of times you can get through, get past it before the tide changes. But if you're doing the 50 miler, you get the both, you know, cycles. And so when the tide is in, you have to run in the softer. When the tide is up, you have to run in the softer. It's down. You get compact closer. to <laughs> I'll be trying to get through as quick as possible. Good. All right, sir. Well, I appreciate your time. Well, you have a great evening, sir. Okay, buddy. You too. I appreciate you coming on with such short notice. <laughs> I had the time, so I'll talk to you later, Marty. Okay, take care. Thanks to Willem for an awesome interview. Moving right along, we go right to our interview with Robin McDearman. He is also a uh, experienced ultra runner and with several finishes at Havelina and I want to say another 700 milers in addition to the five years at Havelina. But we'll let him tell you that. Stay tuned, and here he is. Welcome right. to the Miles with Marty podcast. I've got Rob McDearman here, and he is a veteran of the Javelino race. He's a four-time finisher going for number five this year. Uh, five, right? five going for six. Five going five, for six. Oh, I'm sorry. Five Four going guys. for six. That's right. So anyway, welcome to the podcast, Rob. Thank you, sir. And it's it's a pleasure to have you. I follow you on social media, but we've never really met in person. And uh, I wish I could be there at the race this year to uh, just to partake in the fellowship. But next year for sure. But I'm not going to make it this year. But uh, well, I'll be following I, closely. If I'm alive, I'll be there next year. So. <laughs> well, that's a good sign. Yeah. So before we get into talking about the race, why don't you just tell me a little bit about your running story you know when you got into running and yeah some of your favorite races and your first hundo and that kind of stuff okay so i got uh i i've been running for about 13 years now i was always a pretty active person you know pretty active dude surfing i grew up racing motocross and and just living at the beach and skateboarding and and then uh, as i got older the bones started breaking easier and uh I decided to do something that was a, a little less injury prone. And uh, I got sober in uh, 15 years ago and I got, I, I just got really heavy. And I decided, uh, you know, about a year and a half into it, I, I needed to make even more changes than the changes I'd already made. And so part of that was, um, was running daily. And I started running at uh, three miles a day, three days a week. And next thing I know, it's five miles a day, six days a week. And I signed up for my first half marathon and I was just kind of hooked the, the, the energy and, and just pushing myself and the, the way I felt when I finished that half marathon, you know, I just knew I wanted to do more. I didn't know I wanted, you know, do ultras or anything. I didn't even know if I wanted to do a marathon, but I wanted to do more half marathons. And then seven months later, I ran my first marathon and, and then just went up from there got a couple 50ks under my belt and then in 2016 i ran the uh san diego 50 mile and just had a blast doing it and then i just 
got this wild hair. I, you know, I had always been looking at Avelina as a race I wanted to do because it, it reminds me of, uh, you know, racing motorcycles in the desert, just being out in the desert. I love the desert. Yeah. I grew up going out there as a kid. And um, that was my first 100 miler I signed up for in 2016. And it was just, I knew, you know, it, it was a tough go and I, and I finished it. I knew, you know, as soon as I finished that I had such a good time there. Um, it was just such a positive experience that um, I knew I wanted to keep coming back. So this will be my, you know, this is my sixth trip to Havelina coming up. I've done, I have 1,200 mile buckles right now, including uh, San Diego 100, the Coldwater Rumble. I did, I got into Western States in 2020. It didn't happen. I uh, did it in 2021 and finished. And then uh, I, there's a, a flat course, flat looped course I like to do every year called Beyond Limits Ultra 100 Miler. And um, yeah, so, I, you know, as far as favorite races, Havelina is probably my favorite race just because of the atmosphere, the amount of people out there. It's like a huge party, even though I don't technically party party anymore. It's just great to be out there. Um, but every race I do holds a, a special place, you know, in my heart. But Havelina is definitely my uh, my Super Bowl. So between the time that you did the uh, first half marathon and 2016, how long was that? Mm, six years. Oh, okay. Yeah, a lot of marathons in between there. A lot. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. So it took you a while before you started making bad decisions, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did. I, well, and then I think I started doing 50Ks in about 2014. Yeah, I just... It, it was always on my radar, but man, I just remember, you know, how beat up I would feel after a marathon or a 50K. And, and I just could only imagine it was going to be 10 times worth, worse with a 100 miler. But um, yeah, then I, yeah, I just started making those bad decisions. So, like, yeah. so, you know, we joke about it being bad decisions, but it's really, I mean, I haven't finished a hundred mile yet. I'm training for my first currently. I've got it coming up in eight weeks. We talk about them being bad decisions, joke about it, but it's really the best, you know, getting into ultras was the best, one of the best decisions that I've made. I mean, I've learned so much about myself, you know, and the community is just so awesome. It's a whole different vibe than a marathon. Sure. Yeah, totally. Totally. In fact, I ran a marathon yesterday. I, I paced a, a 350 pace group at a local marathon here. It's a pretty good size. Just I didn't know a lot of people out there because I work for a running shoe company. And so they kind of know me from that and whatnot. But a lot of people know me from the ultra side of things. And um, just a totally different vibe, totally yeah. different vibe at marathons than it is at ultra marathons. Uh, ultra marathons are a lot more organic and, and uh, tight knit, you know, um, I can, I, man, I, I have two, 300 friends on social media just from running ultras alone. Yeah. And every time I do one, I'm adding to that list. You know, it's really cool. So, yeah, um, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, we call them bad choices, but yeah, one of the best decisions I ever made. It definitely had a has had a a lasting impact on my life and my lifestyle, and I never saw it going this way. But yeah, here I am. So yeah, yeah. One what? story, one story that I've shared with several people and talking about the difference. I was at a uh, Disney marathon, you know, which is this one is not super competitive, but it still gives you an idea. So I'm about we're probably, I don't know, 14 miles into the race. 
And this girl in front of me trips on a speed bump and wipes out. I mean, she face plants hard. And literally, and you know, there's thousand people behind her. Nobody stopped to help this poor young girl. I stopped yeah. and helped her up and asked if she was okay. But, you know, everybody else just kind of, you know, it's like it was a problem. And in an ultra, if it's first and second place running in a race and first place falls, second place is going to stop and help that person up most like most of the time. Oh, know? yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, I mean, it's just it's just an I'm getting chills talking about it because I you know I just love that. I love the support that we have for each other. It's still competitive, you know, for those that are up front, but uh, we support and lift each other up so much. And, and that got, falls right in line with the with the recovery thing, you know, that you were talking for sure. Yeah, totally. You know, and yeah, we're always like, you know, every any any time I see somebody, you know, during a race um, struggling. You know, even in a marathon, it, it's translated into my marathoning. You know, I see people, hey, you know, cramping up, whatever. Hey, you need salt? I got salts. What you need? You need gel? Whatever, you know. So it's kind of, it it carries over, you know. So, but right. uh, well, what is your hunter do you have coming up? It's Daytona. It's actually a road hunt. Oh. And so it, it goes from Jacksonville to Daytona on A1A down in Florida. Yeah, right on. And- that was that was a, a bad decision on my part. My first 50K was in the mountains of North Georgia. I live in Georgia. Okay. So my first 50K was in the mountains, and it was a lot of climb, and it was a hurricane was actually passing through, and it was so epic. I loved every second of it, and I don't know why I picked a road. You know, I, Well, I know why, because there was this, this friend of mine that I follow on social media that did it last year. And he shared like a video of all the, you know, the experiences that he had. And I said, Oh, I want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but there are so many that, you know, I have on my radar that I want to do, you know, I'm 57 now. I got a late start at ultras, but after, I don't know if you know who Bob Becker is. He's a, he's a bad water. Yeah, yeah. I know Bob, bad water, Bob. Yeah. And so I, I interviewed him back a, a month or so ago and he was, he's 77 now and he was 50, he was my age when he started running. And so I've got hope that I can still finish a lot of those bucket list races that I want, you know, like Havilena yeah. and Western States and all of For those sure. good trail marathons. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I, the Daytona one sounds really interesting to me. You know, I've, I've, I'd like to try a road 100 someday. I just, uh, I, I'm glad they're going to have it. It sounds like in November for your sake. December. <laughs> yeah. December 3rd. December, even better. Even yeah. better. You know, but, uh, but I still know that, you know, Florida only gets cold a couple times, a couple times a year, right. truly cold, you know, and then right. the other times it, it can stay pretty warm, uh, even through the winter months. So right. ought to be an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I fully expect it to be in the 80s, you know, maybe even in the high 80s uh, during the middle of the day, because, you know, I've never been to Florida when it was, well, I did, well, when I did my first marathon down there and I did the Disney marathon as my first, it was snow on the ground, like all the way down there. And so it was, and it, it was probably 40 degrees on race morning, but it felt like 15 degrees down in Florida because you got the humid air too, you know, and the cold. Yeah. It was freezing. Yeah. My wife's from Southern Mississippi and we go there for Christmas and a couple of times I've gone running on Christmas day and it's in the the high twenties, but with that humidity, man, 
it just bites you. It's oh, horrible. Yeah. I'm originally <laughs> from Mississippi. That's where I grew up. Yeah. My, my wife's from Ocean Springs. I was from uh, Greenville, which is more up uh, further north. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, Mississippi's a, it's a cool place. I like yeah. it. You know, I got some good friends there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I could, if I could uh, run like I do living where she's from, but it's tough. So uh, do you like the heat? Do you like, does it bother you? I know the heat is different out there because it's not as humid, but does it bother you? I, I think that flat race you were talking about is in the summertime, right? No, the flat race is in uh, March, but oh, okay. I've, I've run that when it was 90 degrees and I've run it when it was 40 degrees. So you never know, but um, I don't care for the heat. I can deal with it. Um, I haven't gotten a lot of heat training this year due to my my job and the hours, but um, I know what it, what I need to do to deal with the heat. Um, you know, the the first year I did Havelina, it was 108 degrees in the backwashes. That was wow. in 2016. There were it was crazy. I couldn't believe that you know I made it through the day. But that's the the main thing out there. What I tell to everybody who's going to do it for the first time, take it easy in the daytime, manage the heat. Once the sun goes down, the night is yours. You know, as long as you have something left in the tank, you're going to be fine. Um, so are you of the same mentality as Willem, whereas uh, ice bandanas are a no-no? I don't do ice bandanas. No, I don't. <laughs> I, not a, no, it's just not my thing. Um <laughs> What I used to do, well, I, well and I, I will sometimes still do in hot races, is I will get a buff and I'll get a baggie, like a, a, a freezer baggie, and fill it about one third with ice, roll it up, and then roll it up in the buff on my neck. So that way I don't lose water. You know, yeah. you don't, one thing that pisses me off when I'm out there is when you, you're going down the trail and you're 100 yards out of an aid station and it's 90 degrees out and there's huge chunks of ice, you know, that people are just, kind of wasting ice and um it shouldn't piss me off it's like you don't have to do that so then you know that that melts and then you have you know 30 40 ounces of ice cold water to pour on your head i do that and then another thing i've started to do uh, i started at western states was just putting a little bit of ice in my hat uh it used to give me a headache but when it's really hot that headache goes away in about 30 seconds and then it really radiates you know it, it helps to regulate your body temperature so but there's there's other things um wear a wide brimmed hat you know first year i did it i wore a, a white white cowboy hat just to keep the sun off you know so all day i wore that white cowboy hat another year i, I wore like a sort of one of those beach hats you see lifeguards wearing on on the shore just a nice straw wide brimmed hat you look ridiculous but doesn't yeah. matter and as long as you're getting through the day. You know, you can look ridiculous and and finish with a buckle, or you can look like the cool guy and get out there and get cooked and not DNF finish. with a DNF so, with a sunburn. Yeah, yeah, sunburn. Uh, you know, all any manner of things, man. I'll never forget one year I saw a really fast kid. It's 2017. It's really fast kid. We're about a mile out from Jackass Junction, which is the furthest aid station out there. This guy has no shirt on, three split shorts, two handheld bottles. So he's out there to to really put it down. But this dude is laying on his back and just done, just fried. He's on his back. He's about a mile out from the aid station. We get him up off the ground. Uh, another example of you stopping to help people. We get him up off the ground and his back is filled with cactus needles mm. collected from the ground. And I'm like, 
yeah, okay, we got to get this guy back. And so a couple people were like, yeah, we'll stay with him for 10 minutes, go up and get, get help. And so that's what I did. I went up, let the aid station medics know. And then they, uh, they headed out, they got to the guy in time, you know, he was fine, but he had just, he had fried himself, you know, yeah. cause he, he, nothing, no shirt, no, I don't think he had a hat on. So, yeah. but yeah, the sun will destroy you out there. Yeah. Some of these young whippersnappers think that they're immune to that stuff, but the, but nature yeah. will, nature will win out every time. Man, yeah, I'm all about light colors as much sunblock as you can, you know, put on that you need, uh, you know, just coverage, man. Shit, man, carry an umbrella. You're that, <laughs> you're that prone to, you know, heat exhaustion. Carry an umbrella. Nobody's going to care. You carry an umbrella, get your buckle, or don't carry one and get fried, you know? So, yeah. Um, so, you know, to answer the question, I don't like the but I deal with it. So you said it was over a hundred. Is that the hottest that it's been at just that one year? Or is it that was that what's was the typical the, temperatures for Avalina? 80, 85, which is still 80, 85 in the desert, no shade to be found. It's still that's zapping it out of you too. I guess in 2020, they had a really mild year. The temperatures got to 75. It was overcast and and really moody out there you know but it got cold at night so that's the thing you got to trade for is it will get cold at night one year i think in 2018 we did it a hurricane had blown up out of the gulf of california and gave the desert a really good drenching a couple weeks prior so uh, there was all kinds of green new growth it's beautiful out there you know the temperature was about maybe 78 to 80 in the daytime but then at nighttime you know, it got down into the 40s, upper 30s. So you just, I ended up, uh, you know, wearing a long sleeve fleece at night. So you just never know what you're going to get. You start off at the, like the village, the runner's village. Is that what they call it? Uh, headquarters. Headquarters. Yeah. And then, so how far is it to each aid station? Is it two? It's a 20 mile loop, right? Well, it's a 19 point, like one mile loop, I think. But the first lap that you do, you do this extra like six miles, I think. There's an extra add-on on the first lap, which is the worst lap. Because the extra six miles that you do has most of the climbing, and that's where it gets really warm. It gets really warm in these canyons that you go in and out of. But you only have to do that the first lap. So uh, when you leave headquarters, it's all clockwise now. It used to be wash. Washington style, where you would head out clockwise, go back to where you started, go out counterclockwise. But now it's all clockwise. From the headquarters, I think you have four miles to the first aid station, and which is um, Coyote Camp. And then from Coyote Camp, it's another seven miles to Jackass Junction. And then from Jackass Junction, it's about another six or seven miles, I believe, to rattlesnake is the next one and then from rattlesnake it's about 3.5 or 4 miles in back to headquarters so your first your first uh basically your first 10 miles are uphill 10 11 miles are gradual uphill gradual climb and when you get to jackass the way back in is almost downhill you can kind of get some good flow in there if you still have uh if you're still running it's very manageable and the aid stations there are some of the best aid stations that you'll ever see. So you don't have to carry a lot of food or a lot of 
a bladder with you or anything? You can carry a handheld? You can. My strategy is in the daylight hours, I like to be as light as possible. I'll carry one handheld and one bottle in a belt. And the bottle on the belt is usually just for um, emergency in case it's really hot. And what I'll do is when as I head up to an aid station, I'll guzzle everything in that bottle and I'll top it off. And then I'll get to the next aid station, which is Jackass. A Jackass, I have a drop bag, which mostly has just water bottles in it because I don't like aid station water. Yeah. And you never you never know out there because, you know, the, the some of the aid stations are so remote, they have to truck in. 50 gallon drums of water mm-hmm. and sometimes those 50 gallon drums of water are sitting out there for a week yeah so they can taste pretty plastic you know like plastic mm-hmm. i just choose to have my own water it takes a little bit more time in that aid station to top off my own bottles with my own water but i know in the end it's worth it because it's my water it's not gonna upset my stomach and you know how it is out there once you you taste something weird and you're out there all you need is one little thing to start putting a doubt in your head. Like that water tasted funky. I wonder what it's doing in my stomach to some people. That's going to just be a, just domino of trouble. Yeah. It just, just going to lead to, you know, your head's going to, you're going to start thinking too much, you know? So, but yeah, so I travel as light as possible for the first two laps um, with light colors as well, preferably white top. And then towards going into the night hours, then I put on a pack and the pack, I, you know, I have some gels and stuff and I carry gels in the daytime too, a few. Mostly when I'm at night, what I'm carrying is battery, you know, batteries for lighting, battery charge packs for my watch. I know my watch is going to need to be charged sometime in the night. Uh, my phone might need to be charged. So just, I just have a bunch of just in case stuff in my, my pack. And it's all ready to go. And I'm, you know, I'll have a bladder in the pack so that I can take full advantage of the front pockets. But um, yeah, so you don't necessarily have to carry a bunch of stuff with you. I just choose at night. Yeah. So now you, are you a real food guy for fueling? You said you carry some gels, but do you try to take in some real food in addition to that? Yeah, always, always solid food. I mean, I I do have gels. I'll, I'll eat, you know, to a loop sometimes some of those mama chia packets i like to to uh have a couple of those but um i'm a real fan of just solid food sometimes they have a barbecue out going out there so burgers pizza last time they had tri-tip and chicken and so that saved my you know more often than not solid food has saved my stomach and my race yeah so yeah i'm a big fan of solid food yeah you can only take so many gels yeah I'm a big, I love spring gels because they're not super sweet, but even those, you can only take so many of them. Yeah, I, I tried the spring gels for a while, and for a while they were working, and now I'm just back to just regular goos and stuff. If, you know, somebody handed me a, a, a spring gel out of a race, you know, depending on which one it is, I'll take it. The speed nut, especially, that's a good mm-hmm. one. But yeah. yeah, I'm finding that just just something that you know the the glucose something that just gets you charging you know right. that's it just works for me so yeah yesterday i think i used three gels on the marathon which is about probably about right you know i might use i might use nine gels in a hundred mile race maybe four mama chia packets shotgun a couple red bulls throughout the race and then yeah just solid food where i can find it 
And then sometimes towards the, the later stages of a race, you know, it's getting late at night, you know, aid stations aren't into barbecue and anything, you know, there's cold pizza, whatever. I'll just be like, Hey man, just give me a, a just give me a piece of bread. Just give me a piece of bread and I'll eat that piece of bread, maybe chase it with a gel and some water and I'm good to go. So which year was your uh, best year as far as time wise? Are you, are they all mid pretty close to each other? They're all pretty close except for 2019. 2019, I ran it in 22 hours and 20 minutes. All right. Uh, every other year, it's about, let's see, I have, no, so one sub 24, which is that, I don't know, it was, man, everything just came together. And um, and then last year, I was like 24, 30. I'm pretty consistent, 24, 30, 24, 40. And then my first year I did it, I was 26, 40, I think like that, something like that. But I, I, I didn't. I didn't know the different the the distance, so I was just playing it cautious, taking a lot of time at aid stations. Uh, Twenty nineteen, I'd never sat down. I've gotten out of the habit of changing shoes and socks. I wear the same shoes, the same socks the whole race. The only thing I change is my shirt. Um, I never sat down the whole race, and I had some friend friendly competition with a really good friend of mine. Who, her main goal was to finish ahead of me, and I, I, at first I didn't care. And then lap three came along and I saw that she was serious. Her and her pacer were serious about dropping me. And I was like, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> not not going to happen. So we we kind of, we leapfrogged throughout um, laps three and four. And then she caught up to me at um, on lap five at the first aid station. I saw her and I just went up to her. I said, you're fucking going down. And I took <laughs> off and I ran the entire last 15 miles. I jogged it, you know, as ran as well as I could and beat her by two hours. So wow. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. yeah. So, but um, one thing I like to, my favorite thing to do at Havelina is um, I like to maintain a steady, if not easy effort in the day, turn it on a little bit at night, but I always like to have a little bit left in the tank for the last 10 miles. And I really like to turn it on in the last 10 miles. I can, at one year, I averaged like an eight ten pace for the last 10 miles. Wow. And, and yeah, that's one thing I really like to do. I just, I'm able to block out all the pain and it's kind of, you can smell the barn and I just want to get it done. You know, I'm just mm-hmm. tired of it. I've, I've passed the point where, why do I do this shit? Why do I pay for this? And now it's like, I'm going to finish, you know, let's, let's finish strong. And then I fit, I finish. And for about two days, I'm like, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> and then I know it's like, okay, I can't wait till next year. Yeah. So, yeah. But, um, yeah, I've never really had a tough run. Uh, 2017 was a tough year. I almost dropped it. I got nauseous at mile 50. I almost dropped at mile 62. And a friend of mine, he was kind of crewing another friend of ours in our canopy. He's like, man, I, don't, I never seen this side of you before. I think you should go back out. And so I went back out. All it took was a mile into that going back out and something flipped and I was fine and I ran great the rest of the race. So you were saying you start out with an with an easy effort. How do you judge that just by feel or do you look at your heart rate or, or what? No, I can kind of tell my heart rate where my heart rate's at. I know that if I can feel my heart rate, I'm going too hard. So yeah. um I just look at my pace. I think an easy, easy pace for me in the in the well. For my first lap, if I finish my first lap 
anything faster than you know if i finished my lap and first lap in four hours i went out too hard yeah. so last year i finished my first lap in 420 which probably was a little fast it should have probably been 430 but my first lap is usually a 12 minute pace you're you're fresh in your first lap so you can pretty much run and i say that in quotation marks you know it's, it's a nice slow run but you can pretty much run that entire first lap get to a couple miles where you you where it hits you, yeah, I, I really need to slow down, start walking these uphills and start conserving energy. And that's in that extra credit portion. It's when the sun gets high and it gets really warm, that second lap and the start of that third lap that you really, you're minimal running, a lot of power hike, just a lot of fast power hiking. So is this trail mostly single track or all single track or, or what? Single, double track, yeah. Yeah, wide single track. You're not going to take any vehicles on it. You won't see any vehicles except for mountain bikes. But it's it's not too wide that you can't easily pass somebody. It's uh, it's just really it's really good running out. So the first two or three miles of the race is not like a super. You're worried about you getting behind somebody that's going to hold you up. You can pass. Oh yeah, the first two first two miles in the start of the race are a conga line, yeah. but you. It, you kind of it isn't so bad because nobody in their right mind should be trying to pass anybody in the first two miles of that race should be exerting any effort in the first part of that race you know it's something yeah. you really need to keep in mind like it's a it's a solid power hike and then and then it starts jogging but um it there is a definitely you know it starts out in the headquarters area that starting shoot starts out wide and then you hit a single track and it it can bottleneck up pretty good yeah so but it's uphill at that in the beginning it's gradual man the, the uphill is really gradual yeah you don't notice the uphill you'll barely notice it when you get to the first aid station and it's slightly uphill so it it's all it's uphill on a chart it's barely yeah. noticed so there's no there's no uphills there that are just going to stop you in your tracks and be like okay regroup it's all just really gradual and the downhills, same thing, really gradual. Yeah. You go in and out of some some of the, the gullies, the washes in the back. None of those are going to stop you in your tracks. You know, it's it's the, the biggest challenge in that race is the element, yeah. is the sun, the heat, the exposure. What kind of elevation gain is it in 100 miles? Do you know? I'll say that maybe 5,000 feet in the entire race. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's plenty of... Uh, marathons and 50ks that have that much yeah yeah for sure for sure um and that, that's like i'm saying maybe and i'm i'm being pretty liberal with that it could be a lot less than that but it nothing that is going to make you say damn i got you know this next portion of the trail is going to have the worst climbs there's nothing like that it's just steady you know so this so this race has been your first hundred and just the the vibe from it is one that you plan on going back to every year until you can't do it anymore. Uh probably. And even when I can't do it, I'll probably be out there doing something. It's, it's uh it's probably my favorite weekend of the year. It is my favorite weekend of the year. When I say I'm probably it's my favorite weekend of the year. I, I love the desert that time of year. And um it's just yeah, man, it's something else, I'll tell you. And it being, you know, especially since I live, you know, seven hours from it, I could seven hours drive. Yeah. So it's, yeah. And it, it's something like, 
it's gotten to the point where New Year's Day comes around, registration's happening, and I won't be thinking about it. My wife will be like, hey, did you sign up for Havelina yet? I was like, no, not yet. <laughs> what the fuck are you waiting for? You know? <laughs> so, yeah, she likes to go out there, even yeah. though she's not an ultra marathoner. She likes to be out there as well. Well, you're the second person that said that, two out of two on that. <clears throat> yeah. And so, yeah, I, I know this year I come New Year's Day. I know what I'll be doing. Yeah. I mean, even, if, you know, the 100K, the 100K is a great way to experience everything. And then you get to come back and finish, get to see a lot of 100 milers finish, you know, like not like mortal 100 mile runners, you know, not the superheroes. But, um, you know, I have a friend that comes out and does 100K every year. He just he loves it, you know. So um, it's a good preview to the course but yeah the 100 mile it, it was just it just any distance out there there's just uh it's definitely there's nothing like it now i think it's a western states qualifier too is that right yeah yeah it's a western states qualifier yeah oh uh, that was my qualifier for a few years <laughs> yeah well that's uh, you know i'm i'm certainly not the mountain runner that i know you need to be to do a race like that but i I have a big goal to get there one day. And so yeah, I've got to run some qualifiers for that. Yeah. Just try it. You know, it's uh this is a great qualifier for it. It's a really good qualifier. Okay. Well, anything else uh, you want to share about Havelina before we move on? Uh, uh I look forward to seeing you out there. I just uh all I recommend to people when they're out there is um hydrate, cope with the heat, deal with the heat, take calories in, and um don't smoke meth. i hear that 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 can sabotage a race bigger than shit (laughs) can sabotage everything so life it can sabotage your life i can (laughs) i can vouch for that personally yeah likewise so (laughs) that's our that's a joke we have between friends out there and in fact one year we hung up a sign that said free meth ahead at our (laughs) tent because that's what kind of place it is not that there is meth out there it's just that it's almost anything goes, you know, it's, uh, but yeah, I just, uh, I, I look forward to seeing any of my friends out there and making new friends out there. And if, if I'd say four out of five people go out there and have a, a life changing experience. And if they didn't, then, then it's probably something on their part that made it a bad experience. Yeah. 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 You come hang with us and we're going to have a good time. It's going to be a good time. Will so, do. Yeah. Yeah. So before we close then, you you mentioned that you're in uh running shoe. You work for a running shoe company, is that right? Yes, sir. yeah. So which uh company is that? Do you want to talk about it on the podcast? Yeah, yeah, I work for ASICS. Okay. Um and I this is my second tour of duty with ASICS. I had been with them for eight years previously. The position I was in got eliminated and they wanted me to stay and and nothing there kind of held my in- interest. And I ended up going to work for another entity. And then a year, about a year and three, four months later, I get a call and it was like, hey, this position's open. It's perfect for you. Will you apply for it? I said, yeah. So my position is basically I am the the face of um, performance running footwear for ASICs in Southern California. So any, I go around to local running stores, uh, retailers, and run clubs. I do events. I demo shoes. I go to stuff like the the LA Marathon, local races, and I work for ASICs at local races. So 
It's a field position, but I basically, there are days that I get paid to run. Wow. So I get to interact with people. I get to kind of share my stoke of running with them and I get to run with them and I get to give them a lot of free shit. So that's cool. Yeah. So does ASIC have a trail shoe? They do. They have a few trail shoes. In the past, I ran ultras in road shoes by ASICs because I didn't care for the trail shoes. But the trail that they're coming out with now are really pretty damn good. A couple models. And I have this thing where I'm kind of superstitious. So I like to, I will sleep in whatever I'm going to wear starting the race the night before. Hmm. I always pin my bib on my left leg, and I always, always wear a pair of fresh shoes right out of the box for 100-mile races. Yeah, so I'm wearing a trail shoe this time that is based on a road shoe. So it's just a trail model of one of our road shoes called the Nova Blast, and really looking forward to it, to running in this shoe. The Nova Blast, that's not the carbon plate, right, is it? No, that's called the Metaspeed. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, Nova Blast is just a new uh, lightweight, high cushion trainer. Engineer for it's made for a, a neutral runner and it has an eight millimeter drop, but it's got a lot of. And I ran, I ran the marathon with a, a pair out of the box yesterday, and it was just, it was, uh, it's, it's one of the best shoes I've ever run in. Wow. I can honestly say that now. Yeah. And so they're creating a, a trail shoe with the same kind of makeup. They have the trail shoe that's basically just the the same everything, a little bit more aggressive uh, tread on the bottom outsole, yeah. and then a, in some places on the upper uh, foot pocket, there it's a little little tougher. But yeah. um, as far as the cushion and everything, it's all the same. And I've been running in the road shoe version of it on trails for the past month and a half, and yeah. it. it it's working really well for me, but there there are a couple of the trail specific shoes that are only trail shoes that are also really good now. So, well, I consider myself a sh- running shoe connoisseur. That's why I ask you those questions because I'm yeah. always interested to learn more about running shoes. Well, if you're ever interested in uh, in trying some Asics, just uh, holla at me and and I'll see if I can uh, get you get you situated. Sounds good. Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, I appreciate your time, man. It's been really entertaining and been a pleasure to get to know you a little better. You bet, man. Likewise. And I, uh, yeah, I look forward to, uh, you know, seeing you out there next year. And I'm, I'm sure I'll, uh, we'll, we'll be running into each other online a lot. But yeah, just uh, great talking to you. And, and whoever listens to this, I really, really uh, hope to, to see them out there. And I, and I hope they enjoy their their time and and uh if you want to come talk to us we'll be we'll have the asics tent out there asics canopy so just come up and and myself and willem will will that'll be our headquarters come out and and holler at us and we'll try to make you laugh sounds good well i'll spread the word thanks boss okay man you have a good night you too man it's great talking to you same here take care well thanks a lot to matthew willem and robin That's the conclusion of the first half of our Havilena 100 preview. I expect part two to be coming out in a day or two. And Mike Melton spends a few minutes talking about his experiences at Havilena and with Aravipa in general. And then he goes on to share many stories from his experiences as a timer and running races. 
you'll want to check that one out. Mike is a great storyteller. I want to sincerely thank you for running your miles with Marty today. I know there's a lot of choices out there, and it means a lot to me that you chose to run or ride with me. I hope you enjoyed the show. If so, give us a review. Hit that subscribe button and spread the word, just like that running community love. We're on social media at Miles with Marty Podcast, and you can email us at mileswithmartypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again to our sponsor, Squirrel's Nut Butter. Spread the lube at squirrelsnutbutter.com.